0: You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. to the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. And of course, those of you who are guests here this morning need to know not only that you are welcome, in this place, but I also want to tell you that for the past several months, our first Southern family has been on a journey experiencing the book of Exodus. And now this morning, we come to the 17th chapter, and I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to stand with me. We're going to read one verse, which is only a portion of the text. I want to read the balance of the text to you. Some years ago, a college student sat in my office And as we were visiting together, he poured out his heart and made a statement which I have heard, I suppose, dozens of times since that day. I made a mental note of it because I thought this is such a picture of where many people find themselves. Maybe you can identify. He said, Preacher, I don't know how to explain this, but there is something missing in my life. And then he continued, I've tried everything I know to try to satisfy the emptiness of my heart. He said, I've gone to uh, the university because I felt that if I went to this particular school, I would hear professors who could set me on the right track, and he said, it didn't happen. And now he says, I'm I'm wondering if the things that I'm learning are even going to help me in life. He said, early in my life, I went to church, but he said, religion wasn't the answer for me. Religion, by the way, is not the answer for anybody. But he said, religion, church, he said, was not the answer for me. He said, you know my parents because they're members of your church. And you know that there's not much that I have wanted growing up that I couldn't have. He said, for a while I thought it would be my car. Then he said, I thought it would be my girl. Then he said, I'll be honest with you, preacher, you know this. My parents know this. He said, uh, I'm here in part because of it. He said, I've tried um, I've tried drugs. He said, I've tried drugs. Uh, Drugs, and I've tried alcohol. And he said, that's not it. The party scene's not it. The car scene's not it. He said, I've been thinking about different hobbies. He said, you know, I I played football. And he said, I thought, well, if I could just excel in athletics, maybe that will satisfy it. I'll be somebody, and that emptiness in my heart will be filled. But he said, Brother Tom, I'm going to confess to you, I am still a very, very empty student. And I'm here in your office because I want to know the answer. I'm tired of looking. I want to know the answer. What can you tell me? What can I do to satisfy the emptiness which is in my heart? This morning I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, God's Answer for Your Thirst. God's Answer for Your Thirst. We've come to an interesting point in the history of Israel's journey through the land of, uh, actually through the Sinai Peninsula. We've discovered that uh, it doesn't take much to put them in a grumbling mood. I mean, uh, any little inconvenience. You would think they would be so elated just to be free. You would think they would be so thrilled that God had delivered them that uh, they would be willing to put up with a little inconvenience in order to get where they were supposed to be going. But almost anything would set off the children of Israel. And, uh, when they grumbled, they, they knew better than to grumble at God. And so they grumbled against Moses. And Moses reminded them, hey, your problem's not with me, your problem's with God. And, and God always reminded Moses, hey, Moses, you stand for the people. I've got a problem with you. And, and Moses would say, well, it's the people. And God would say, well, here's how you're to deal with the people. They have just come away from this experience when God has reminded them that he can provide their every need in the wilderness. Last week, we looked at this remarkable food, manna, which God provided for them. And here, the head of the house was to go out and gather this manna every day. Nobody could gather for your home. It was to be an experience, a daily experience of looking to God. And now we read in verse 1 of chapter 17 that all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Sin after their journeys according to the commandments of the Lord, and they pinched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. And so the people did contend. You have the word chide. They they contended with Moses. They fought against him. They argued against him. And they said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why are you arguing with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Now I want to remind you that it was the Lord God who brought them to this point, all right? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Why is it that you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, you go before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and the rod with which you smote the river, you take it in your hand and go. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, please, in honor of our Lord. We're going to look at verse 6, and I want you to read it aloud along with me, all right? This is Exodus 17, verse 6. Let's look at these words as they put them on the screen. Behold... I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb and you shall smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. This morning, God's answer for your thirst. Let's pray together. Father, that young man's testimony in my office years ago is a testimony that some here in this auditorium this morning can share today. Something's missing. There's a lack of purpose. There's a lack of peace with God. There's a a lost sense of fulfillment. And while events and things, possessions, may temporarily distract them from this sense of emptiness, It's not very long before it returns. And they find themselves wondering, what, if anything, can fill this void, this emptiness in my life? Lord, we know that there are corporations in this country and around the world who are garnering multiplied billions of dollars, offering people what they believe is the answer for that thirst, that emptiness. But Lord, none of them have the answer. For you alone are the one who can satisfy the deepest needs of our heart. Lord, show us this morning how you supply our thirst. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, be seated please. And, of course, keep your Bible open to Exodus chapter 17, God's answer for your thirst. Now remember that everything that happened to the children of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness is a picture for you and me. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that in no uncertain terms, that these things were done as an example to us. And so we're going to see a perfect illustration of that this morning as we think about God's answer for your thirst. Let's just take a few moments to look at these few verses. First of all, let's look at the problem. Now, what was the problem? The problem here was thirst. Notice in verse 3, the people thirsted there for water. I want to remind you that there is nothing so acute as our need for water. You can do without food for a long time. You can do without light for a long time but there is a sense in which the greatest need your body has, because so much of our bodies is comprised of it anyway, the greatest need that your body has is the need for water. Now the people were thirsty. We don't know exactly how long they had been, how many hours or days they had been in the wilderness without water. The Bible seems to give us an indication here, and you can look on a map and you can see how long it was and try to determine how long they might have traveled on any given day. But we know they'd come to a time which was like one previously when they thirsted for water. Uh, before, they thirsted so much that they found a spring and discovered that it was bitter. They had argued with Moses, and they had told about told Moses the same thing. We think you're trying to kill us. And then God had brought them to, to that moment when Moses cast that tree into the water, a picture of the crucified Christ. And the water became sweet. And then he took them down not far south of where they were to a place called Elam where there were 12 springs of water. Just a reminder, listen, God always has the answer for every need in your life. And then they got very angry with Moses because there was no food. And you know how God supplied the food. and We looked at that in just this past week. Now they're on the road again. And they're thirsty. And when they thirst, they forget about God's providence. They forget about Moses' concern for them. They become angry with them. In one sense, they're angry with God, and and Moses reminds them of that. They forget about the fact that they are where they are because God had led them there. And so thirst is a picture to us here. Now, I want you to notice this truth, and I would encourage you to write it down someplace in the margin of your Bible. God has ordered thirst so that you will desire the one thing most necessary for life. God has ordered thirst so that you will desire the one thing most necessary for life. Now, I know no one likes being thirsty, but thirst is a signal from your body that you need to supply something that is in short demand, but it's very important for you, and that is water. Water. Now look up here just for a moment, I wanna remind you that there are other kinds of thirst than the thirst for water. Just keep that in the back of your head for just a few moments. You see that young man who was sitting in my office sharing with me what some of you could share with me today. I'm thirsty, it's not for physical water, but there's an emptiness, there's a vacuum, there's a void in my life, something is missing, a sense of drive, a sense of purpose, a sense of mission in life. And I wanna tell you something, That is God's way of letting you know that there is an answer out there. He wants you to know when something is missing. And so God has ordered thirst so that you will desire the one thing most necessary for your life. And in the life of the children of Israel, they were thirsting now for water. Now, let's look secondly at the provision. What was the provision? The provision was water. Look with me, if you will, at verse 6 again. God says to Moses, look, get some of the elders of Israel... These appointed leaders, I want you to come with me up to Sinai, Horeb, and he said, "I'm going to be standing there on a rock, and you take that rod that you used, stretched it out over the water, the waters parted. You take that rock, and I want you to, uh, that rod, and I want you to smite the rock with your rod, and you're going to be amazed to discover that water is going to come out of it." And so Moses took the elders. Up on the mountain, he hit the rock with that rod and water began gushing out of the rock. Now, here's the truth. Write it down someplace. God supplies every need for those who respond to him in faith. God supplies every need for those who will respond to him in faith. If there's a need in your life right now, the shortest route to fulfilling that need is is to respond to God by the obedience of faith, just doing what he says. Moses could have argued with God. Moses could have said, this is the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life, the idea that hitting a rock is going to cause water to come out, enough water to feed over 1.6 million people. That seems absurd to me, but God had the answer in that rock, and he has the answer for you. As a matter of fact, Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And some of you this morning, you're aware of specific needs. Some of you have financial needs. Some of you have physical needs. Some of you have marriage, marriage and family needs. Some of you have needs regarding your job. Some of you have needs regarding a sense of purpose, a sense of mission in life. And God has the answer for that need. He supplies every need. How? For those who respond to Him in obedient faith. Now quickly, let's look at the picture. I've said all of that which I've said so that we could get to this point. The picture, what is God doing? Is God just uh, wanting to impress the children of Israel with the fact that he's able to make water gush out of a rock? Or does he have something more in store for them in this drill? of going before the rock, Moses hitting the rock, the water coming out? Is there something greater at stake? Well, the picture, that is, the rock here, is Christ. God has a bigger spiritual truth he wants to teach us through this event. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, over the New Testament, chapter 10. And I want you to see the New Testament commentary on this experience. Now, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Verse 4 is the one that's going to be very telling to us. Now, the Apostle Paul says, "'And so, brothers, I would not that you would be ignorant "'how that all of our fathers were under the cloud.' He said, "'They passed through the sea. "'They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea.' They did all eat the same spiritual meat. He's speaking of the manna there. And look at verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. Now, what is he teaching us here? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, look up here for just a moment. In everything God is doing with the children of Israel, he is pointing them to Christ. How could a person who lived in the Old Testament be assured that he would spend his forever with God? Well, in the same way that you and I can be assured of eternal life. We look back at the cross and we see that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave, and we put our trust in Jesus and receive by faith, what he did on the cross of Calvary as effective for us. We look back to the cross. God now is instructing the children of Israel to look forward to the cross. Think of the faith that was involved. He's painting a picture for them. And the picture is this. The Lord Jesus is the rock. And Moses smiting the rock, Moses taking that rod and hitting the rock, and from it water coming out to satisfy the thirst, the physical thirst of the people, is a picture of Jesus being crucified upon the cross so that our spiritual thirst could be satisfied. Now, here is the truth. Just put it down someplace. Just as Israel's physical thirst was supplied out of the smitten rock, so your thirst for the water of life is supplied by the crucified Christ just as Israel's physical thirst was supplied out of the rock which was smitten, so your thirst for the water of life can be supplied only by the crucified Christ. Now notice, the rock was smitten, a picture of crucifixion. Out of the rock comes this water. And so he says, look, these children of Israel drank of that rock. What was that rock? That spiritual rock was the Lord Jesus. Now look up here for just a moment. I want to see the whites of your eyes because I do not want you to miss this. As good and as wonderful and as merciful as God is, as full of grace as God is, God in His mercy and in His grace makes it very plain that there is only one way you and I are going to have the answer to the need of our life met, and that is through the crucified Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There were not several rocks out there in the wilderness Moses might have gone to for water. There were not several ways that he could have gotten the water. There was one rock, and there was one way. And there is one Lord Jesus, and there is one crucifixion. And on that cross, he died for your sins. He paid the price for your sins. And God raised him up from the grave. That was God's way of saying his death was sufficient to pay for the price of your sins. And Jesus offers you eternal life as a living Savior and no one else can offer that to you. And so here was this problem, thirst. And here was the provision, water. But God did not want this to be wasted upon the children of Israel. He said this is a picture It is a picture of the crucified Christ who alone can meet the need of your life. And so look with me at the principle. Here is the principle behind all this. And the principle is faith. That is, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here this young student said in my office, and he said, what's the answer? He said, cars are not the answer. Girls are not the answer. Drugs are not the answer. Sex is not the answer. Alcohol is not the answer. My college education is not the answer. He said, Brother Tom, what is the answer? I led him right straight to this truth, and that is that trusting in Jesus is the answer. Repenting, turning from sin, and trusting in Jesus is the answer. Turn with me, if you will, please, to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John. And let's see what Jesus says about this. I'm going to begin reading in verse 37. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter seven, and then go to verse 37. Now here's what John records about that event. He says, in the last day, which was the great day of the feast, Jesus stood And he cried, and he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes, what do we say? The principle is this, faith, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being, out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. And so here is the principle, just in a nutshell. Write it down someplace. If you thirst for everlasting life, you must come in faith to Christ alone. Do you know what we've seen in the last several weeks here in our church? And it's not unusual. You see it in churches across the country and around the world. We have seen people who have come forward, but they've not come to Christ. We have seen people who have come to a meeting but who have not come to Christ. We've seen people who've come to their senses and realize they're sinners and that Jesus died on the cross, but they didn't come to Christ. And as God's Holy Spirit moves, say, during the Starlight Crusade, or God's Holy Spirit moves during Falls Creek, or God's Spirit moves in a Sunday school class or in a worship service, all of a sudden these people who have come to many different solutions, all of a sudden realize only Jesus can answer the thirst that I have in my life. He's the only one who can give me a sense of fulfillment. He's the only one who can give me a sense of purpose. He is the only one who can give me peace in my heart. He is the only one who, when I wake up in the morning and I'm almost about to be intimidated by the incredible problems I face. He is the one who is the answer. He gives me peace in my heart and the knowledge that I have power to overcome. Jesus Christ alone is the answer. And in our nation, especially here in this Bible belt, we see, we hear so much preaching about Jesus. And virtually everyone is a member of somebody's church. I mean, people come to this church and they're members of another church and and maybe you go to another church and here you are, your, your name is on the roll of First Southern. Many people are on the names, or have their names on the rolls of churches, some religious body. But the problem is they have never yet come to the one rock. That is to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for our sins. And so what they have is a sham, What they have is a pretense. What they have is a story about something that happened one time, but it's made no difference in their life. Their lives are not living testimonies of the power of the Lord Jesus because out of their life is not flowing living water. As a matter of fact, they have nothing in the overflow. They feel empty themselves. They feel drained themselves. They feel hollow themselves. They sense a vacuum in their heart themselves. Or you see, when the Lord Jesus comes in, when He becomes your Savior, when He becomes the Lord of your life, He gives you His fullness. And out of you begins to flow rivers of water. You not only have enough for yourself, you have enough for others. You not only want to know Christ yourself, you want others to know Christ as their Savior. And so there's that principle. If you want to have everlasting life, if you thirst for that, you must come in faith to Christ alone. You say, what if I did that? Brother Tom, what if this morning in this worship service, what if I chose just very simply to repent of sin, to admit to God my life is empty, I don't have the kind of peace and joy, I don't have the kind of purpose that I know a believer in Christ has? I don't sense the fullness of his life in me. What if I just come to that and admit it, confess it and repent of it, turn from it and trust in Jesus as my Savior? Then you have this morning the promise and that's the last thing I want you to see. This is the promise. And the promise is that you can have everlasting life. Turn with me again to the Gospel of John and this time let's go to the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter of the Gospel of John is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. It records our Lord's encounter with the woman of Samaria at the well there, this incredibly interesting, soul-winning experience. And so let's look at this. Jesus, of course, has asked her for a drink, and then he says to you, her, he says, you know, I've got living water. And she begins to mock him. She says, are you greater than Jacob? He said, no, he said, really. He said, I have living water. And look with me, if you will, please, at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But, and here's the promise, Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never, notice, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, here's the promise, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so you see when somebody comes down an aisle or so when somebody prays at home or in a Sunday school class or alone, and says some words, well-intentioned words, because who wants to go to hell? Everybody wants to go to heaven anyway, and says whatever they've been told to pray, but does not repent of their way, does not repent of sin, turn from sin, in order to trust Jesus and Jesus alone, the crucified Christ who paid the price of their sins. What's going to happen is this. They're going to say words, and they're going to join a church, but they're going to walk out of the door thirsty. And once they get out into the world, they're going to start doing the same things they were doing before. Only they'll say, well, my name's on the roll of a church. I prayed somebody's prayer. I did this. I did it. But they walk out and they're thirsty. And they say, well, I still don't have it Right. Let me try this. Let me try that. And sometimes they go through what I call the buffet line of churches. Let me try this church. Let me try this theology. Let me try these things. And they become victims of all kinds of beliefs, so much so their, their brain gets scrambled. I mean, they're not even sure what they believe anymore. But they're sure of this. They're still thirsty. Why? Because they have never received Jesus Christ by faith as their Savior. But if you will come by faith in Christ... Repenting of sins and trusting in him alone. He says, whosoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but it will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. One evening I got a call to go to the home of a lady whose husband had just passed away suddenly, just abruptly, no warning and there was a heart attack, and he was gone just like that. And I wondered as I drove to her house, I, I wondered, how is she going to take this? Now, I wasn't speaking in terms of, is she going to be sorrowful and sad, and will there be tears? That's, There's nothing wrong with that. There is such a thing as good grief. I mean, there is our Lord grieved. There is no... There's nothing wrong with grief and with, with, there is something wrong with, with camping there and belaboring it and, and becoming obsessed with it. But I wondered, how will this lady respond to what has happened to her? I had known her as a wonderful, godly Christian lady, and every encounter I had ever had with her, she always seemed to have that overflowing life. I mean, no matter what was going on, she, she had an abundance mentality. I mean, she just always assumed there was sufficient, that there was no need that would, would go unmet. And when I got to her home, there were tears, of course, but also a smile. And she said, Brother Tom, I have no question about where my husband is. And she said, I have no question about where I'm going to be I'm going to be with the Lord one of these days in heaven, right along with my husband. And she said, Before my family comes to the house, I want to talk with you about what I believe is very important. And instead of focusing on her grief and her need for that moment, it was as if out of her began to flow streams, springs of living water. She said, Preacher, I want to talk with you, first of all, about my son. And she told me where he wasn't spiritually. And she said, I'm praying that during this time he'll come to know Jesus. And she said, Brother Tom, let me talk to you about my daughters. And then she began to tell me about how God was moving in the life of one, but the other one seemed to be estranged for the family. And then she began to tell me about some of her husband's, uh, 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 the men that he worked with. And she said, you know, uh, they're a pretty rowdy bunch, and my husband witnessed to them quite often. But she said... Um, I really want them to know that Jesus is the answer. And here is a lady who could legitimately, if she would have, who could have just camped on the doorstep of grief and done nothing but consume the attentions of others. Instead, I watched her over the next several days as wells of water begin to spring from her and as she ministered first to one then to another as a matter of fact several people did come to know the Lord Jesus at that man's funeral sermon he that believes in me shall never thirst this water that I give that man that woman if they really repent really trust in me as Savior and Lord if that's the experience that they have then out of them shall flow springs of living water that's God's answer for your thirst. Would you bow your head? Father, I pray, believing that in these moments your Holy Spirit has come to this place to minister to us. I pray, trusting Heavenly Father, that in the moments that we spend together, these moments of invitation, that you will find us trusting in you. Lord, I pray that in this congregation, those who are thirsty, soul thirst, those who would say, my life is empty, I don't have that peace with God. I don't have that sense of purpose. I, I don't have that fellowship with God. I don't have the confidence if I died, I would go to heaven. Lord, bring them to this altar this morning to repent of sin and to trust in you. And Lord, I pray that this would be a moment in their life they would walk away saying, out of me flow streams of living water. I will never thirst again. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. With your head bowed for just a moment, heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. In a few moments, we're going to stand. Our choir is going to lead us in singing a song of invitation. This is your invitation to come to Christ. Now listen, I'm going to verbalize it, but this is your invitation to come to Jesus. Jesus. There's some men in this congregation this morning. You, maybe you watched your children baptized or wife baptized. Maybe you just, just walked into this service. We're not even in Sunday school. But you know what it is to thirst. You know what it is to be empty. And you know it would revolutionize your life if you would simply repent of sin. And this is God's way. He's brought you here as surely as He brought Israel to that moment of thirst for their good. He's brought you here for your good so that you would wake up to what it is who it is who is the answer to the need of your life and so when we stand and begin singing i'm going to ask you men you just step to the aisle you make your way forward and say look i tell one of these counselors that we'll have across the front say to one of these counselors i want to trust in jesus this morning i want to settle it this morning now others will be coming Our prayer warriors will be coming. Our counselors will be here at the front. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in earlier services whom we've not introduced to come and be seated over here where it says seating for new members so that we can introduce you at the close of the service. Maybe you join in recent days. Maybe you were baptized in recent days or this service itself. And you'll come and be seated over here so we can introduce you. There are those here this morning to whom the Lord is speaking about becoming a part of this church family. Would you come as well? This is your invitation. And I I shouldn't have to argue with you about that because if you know God's spoken to your heart about it, you know this, that your coming to this altar will encourage others to get right with God. You'll be starting out as a witness. And so I would encourage you, sir, ma'am, family, you just come to this altar, find a counselor, and say, look, we want to join this church. We want to become a part of this fellowship. You may have some prayer need. You may simply want to come and kneel here at this altar. This is your invitation to say yes to that which God is speaking to your heart. But sir, would you come? Young man, young lady, would you come? Single person, married, family, would you come and say yes to what God is saying this morning? And you can go away from this place saying, He has met my need. God has answered the thirst of my soul. I can go away knowing that I'll never thirst again. Out of me will flow streams of living water. I have come to the rock, the crucified Christ. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Father in heaven, I pray, believing now that your Holy Spirit is at work in this place, bring many to this altar, Lord, this morning to say yes to you, to have the thirst of their heart satisfied, I pray in Jesus' name.